there was a particular evening where I worked a double shift and I was frustrated and I was angry. And I went home and I talked to my dad because I lived with him at the time because he lived within a four mile radius of school, dialysis and work. I'm like, fantastic. And so we talked for about three hours just about how unhappy I was because it's very easy to just put on a brave face. Hey guys, it's your girl Nahama, your favorite Jew from the Lou. Welcome back to my podcast, episode two. And today we're super lucky to have JT with us. Say hi. Hello. First question, because I actually don't know the answer to this. What does JT stand for? It stands for just terrific. Ah, obvious choice. I should have guessed that. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a family name and I try to live up to it. Uh, but in all seriousness, it stands for John Thomas. John Thomas. Okay. And then at what point in your life was it shortened to JT? It became JT probably when I was in preschool. So my dad's name is John as well. Okay. And so all of his work friends called him JT. And I said, I like that. I'm going to be called JT now. I love that. So I had to. Truly carrying on the family name. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, welcome. And I actually should really say welcome back because we like to keep it real here. And so right now it's August 2023, and we actually filmed this originally back in May. And unfortunately, the video got corrupted, the file, so, you know, we couldn't use it. We're about to go live, and we're about to publish your episode, and it was too good not to reshoot. But we're back, and we're better than ever before. Yeah, it seems like so many things have happened since that conversation, and a lot of directions have shifted, mm -hmm. uh, updates, good things, of course. So whenever you told me that uh, we needed to re-record our conversation, it took a little bit of uh, convincing, but... No, it didn't. I know, it just, you just said, hey, what day works for you? And You were literally so lovely about it, which was kind of, I was kind of nervous. I mean, you're so sweet. I knew that you would... Well, I was 99% sure that you would say yes, but you know, it's nerve wracking to come on a podcast. And since, so I initially, you guys, I was his first podcast. He had never been on one before, but now he's, he's a celebrity. He's moving up in the world. But why don't you tell everybody what podcast you were just on recently? I was on the untapped podcast mm -hmm. recently. Um, and actually fun fact, um, I was on another show. Can we talk about this? Uh, with Murphy, the gentleman okay. behind the scenes. So I do apologize that there's some information that has been um, improperly um, translated, but this is the third podcast I've been on, and the third time is the charm. But that's true. It's but every person that I've been able to share my experience with has been through different experiences that are passive crossed, and it's just new opportunities to share new things. Maybe some things that of your listeners may not know me as well where I'm happy to uh, share whatever's needed, but uh, I'm really looking forward to this and just being able to talk to people is what I enjoy doing as well. So this is, this is really fun. So I think really what everyone wants to know is how do we know each other and how did this whole connection begin? And then we'll get into your story. So I have to say there was this podcast, which they still have all their episodes out, but unfortunately they're paused at the moment. It's the Give More, Be More podcast. And they used to have these, they did this twice and it was so unique. They had these in-person meetups 
And I've met really cool people through those in-person connection, which ever since the pandemic, you really just don't have the same kind of connection with people anymore. And so we got back to like old school values. We all got together. And so you were at the first meetup and the second one. So the first one is where we met officially. And how they did it, we were, it was about what, 20, 30 people who mm-hmm. showed up and we sat in this big circle and then we all introduced ourselves and told a little bit about our story and then what was our goals for 2023 because this was back in January. Yes, January 22nd, I believe. So it's like almost eight months, eight months ago. It was. Literally. That's so cool. So what happened was, is I had gone before him. JT was one of the last people to go. And, you know, whenever you're in a crowd, you kind of get a little overwhelmed, but you also kind of come up with a story about each person, even before you actually know them. And most of the guys there, like, I just assumed that they were gym bros. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) they are. But that has so much more of a deeper meaning, which I've come to learn. Like, when people go to the gym, I think people stereotype them and say like, oh, they're very shallow. They only care about their body and they're obsessed. And like, it it could not be more wrong. Anybody goes to the gym, I feel like they're either fighting their inner demons or they're fighting for a better future or they're fighting for a cause, right? And then like, you just meet some of the most genuine, authentic people on the planet. And everyone who goes, who's a regular, like to have that level of consistency, Mm -hmm. like how can you not respect someone? Who makes that a part of their life? Right. And it's it's a community that's where I think a lot of not as much competition, so to speak, mm-hmm. but it's more about building other people up and supporting other people and you know, supporting what they do on their journey. Because like you said, people go to the gym for different reasons, but a lot of people maybe have the misconception that everyone else is looking at them when they go mm-hmm. when realize or in reality, people are focused on themselves and just being in a common environment, you know, just being around that kind of human interaction is, is really energizing. And, you know, going back to, you know, meeting at a podcast, how many people have podcasts these days? There's so many, and there's so many people who share maybe clips through social media, but how often do you get to meet people that listen to something that you do who have those same interests? And now we're in, I think we're at a time where people, instead of having those six second videos, they're craving the longer form conversation. They want to have the crave, the the deeper um, discussion and just not as superficial. And when you see people like that have those commonalities, it's a lot easier to, whenever you're in person, to be able to just have a conversation with. Right. It's like, you almost feel like you know them already. It's like everyone who showed up for that meetup, because there's there was thousands of listeners mm-hmm. for that podcast, but there was only 20 to 30 people who had the guts to show up in person because it is, it's hard to like go into a crowd of new people, you know, mm-hmm. I think almost everyone there brought a friend with them as like a little, <laughs> my little safety buddy just yes. to make sure. Um, but I remember, you know, listening to everyone's story and it was so cool, like in like less than an hour, you just felt so connected to what initially was a room full of strangers. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that you all have like common goals and aspirations and fears. And it was really probably one of the most meaningful events that I had been to. And your story was the most meaningful of all of them. It really was. Um, To the point where he literally 
kind of like shook me up and made me want to dig deeper because you shared how you were a kidney transplant recipient Mm -hmm. and how you were in the process of starting your own charity to help others who had gone through a a similar situation. And I remember being like, well, damn, I mean, I'm really glad I didn't have that in my life. I'm glad I'm not a kidney (laughs) transplant recipient. I'm I'm glad that I have my health. I was so nervous that just thinking about the fact that you had so much purpose, maybe nervous isn't the right word. I was intimidated. I'm like, man, what does that feel like? You know, Mm -hmm. to have so much gratefulness for being alive and to have something that really pushes you each and every day. And I realized that I was just kind of going through the motions and I was like, I need to know this guy. I want to be connected (laughs) with him. And what was your experience like when you were sharing that? I was nervous as well, but I was also very sore because the day before was my first half marathon Mm. of 2023. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that it was a a goal of mine to run a half marathon every month of 2023 to raise money for scholarships for transplant patients pursuing higher education. Um, Primarily because I didn't have any sort of example whenever I went through that process. I didn't have anybody navigating, uh, helping me navigate, you know, balancing school work, dialysis, social life, family, friends, and then graduating and moving away and then going into a whole different environment uh, where you're surrounded by a lot of temptation, social life, things like that, where it's easy to not have your uh, stuff in order. And so by sharing my experience, I was a little bit excited, but being able to go, being one of the last people to go and hearing everybody else and just learning, it just, I I get a little bit nervous too sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it kind of put myself at ease and just being able to just share what I wanted to do. And if you share and if you tell people about what you want to do or what your plans are, it adds an added layer of accountability too, because all these people just heard me say, this is what I'm going to do. And if I don't do it, all those people have the freedom and I even welcome, you know, saying, Hey, you didn't do it. You didn't stick to your word. And so to be able to do that, it was almost like, all right, it was one of the first times that I shared my goal out loud and you get a little bit excited and you get the energy. And there was a couple of people after that event that joined me the very next month. Yeah, I wanted to, but you kept doing it on Saturday. Eight months later, my friend, I'm just waiting for a Sunday marathon. Well, what are you doing in four days? On a Sunday? Yeah, Sunday? the Sunday. I got you. I'm free. I don't have any plans this Sunday. Okay. Well, I'm running a half marathon. This Sunday? This Sunday. Okay. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll try. I might walk a little bit. Is that okay? I'm not I'm not primed to run at the moment. I've got shoes. Okay. Is so we could start. You can walk, you can jog, you can run, you can mosey. Okay. You I just gotta mosey. keep you yeah. just gotta keep moving forward. That's all, all that's the only requirement. You know, um, so the the two hosts of the Get More Be More podcast, one of them is my coach who's gonna be a future episode, Jeff Lavecchio. And he recently just going to wait for the siren to go by. <laughs> he recently told me this amazing quote, which 
not an original quote, but sometimes it just hits you at the right moment from the right person. And then it just sets you on fire, right? Mm -hmm. He said, always point north. Jeez. Isn't that so powerful? Mm -hmm. It's like no matter what happens, just always point north. Just keep going. Yeah. One step in front of the other, one day at a time. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. All right. So it is August. We had the, You made this announcement to the group back in January. Let's hold you accountable. What have you done in these past eight months? I have so far run seven half marathons. Mm. I not only have reached my original financial goal, but I have exceeded it. And nice. I'm said, I never said, hey, I'm just going to run until... I reached this goal, this financial goal, I'm going to run 12 half marathons. And so it's been a long process. I, in June, I ran on my nine year kidney transplant anniversary. I had some wonderful people joining me. Um, and I had the worst cramps ever. I was not properly hydrated uh, for the day. And of course, with the summer in St. Louis, killer. You, it's killer. Um, but I didn't quit. And so the very next month in July, I ran a personal record. You know, I've never ran a half marathon under three hours and I ran one in two hours and 51 minutes. And damn. Yeah. There you go. It was, it was exciting. It's a moment. Mm -hmm. That's a really exciting moment. Oh yes. But the bottom of, or the top of one mountain is the bottom of another. So now you have to set a new goal. Correct. Uh, and so in August, so this month, every day I'm running a 5K every morning, and hopefully that might help me uh, with my endurance and speed and get even faster than the previous month. And like you said, you know, at the end of a valley is another mountain. Uh, that's my mentality going forward. You know, I, I allow myself to have one day of rest and recovery, and then I'm, the very next day is going back to training because if you only have a month between these half marathons, a lot of people, it takes them a few months just to train for a first one. Yeah. And so. I know. We're going to have four days. Yeah, um, I got this. You I'm do. I'm so prepared. You should know that I do the Stairmaster. Does that count? It's like training. I do the Stairmaster for 15 minutes, no hands, three days a week. Um, I'm really proud of that fact. I had to throw that in there. First of all, that's very impressive. Thank you. It's uh, not running. I know. But. I did start jump roping two days ago. Okay. That's. That's a good start. That's a fantastic start. And then I was doing 75 hard. I'm not. I stopped 75 hard around day 45 because I decided to pivot my goals a little bit. But consistently for 45 days, I was walking like three and a half miles each day. You're qualified. Okay. And there will be uncrustables oh good that's okay i'm done you should have started with that <laughs> <laughs> it is a small incentive uh to i mean it's also necessary you know just after all of that energy being expended you have a little bit of refueling and a delicious treat never hurt anybody and yeah i want to do a little plug for you right now um correct me if i'm wrong but these half marathons that you've been doing you're raising money for your charity Right? Is that what Correct. this is for? Okay. So in this moment, what I would love to do is throw a little B-roll or maybe a little graphic of your logo, like right here. 
(laughs) (laughs) And um, it's really, I'm excited because the day that we met back in January, we touched base and you had found out that I was a graphic designer Mm -hmm. and I said, I want to help you. And uh, you agreed to hire me and we actually got a sponsor, someone who refused to let me let you know who they are, but they sponsored paying for your logo. Wow. Yeah. So you don't have to pay a cent. And yeah, I, I'm really proud of it. I actually, I still owe you some final details. <laughs> so I'm holding myself accountable. Hopefully by the time this is posted, it will be sent to him. Everything will be good. But I'm really proud of the logo and I'm really proud of what you're doing. And so we're actually going to post in like the description of wherever this podcast is, the link to your charity called the Oregon Trail. Mm-hmm. You guys, that's so clever. Explain the name and explain like what your vision is for it. Absolutely. So uh, I love corny jokes. I love puns. Uh, My fiance hates it. But growing up, you know, as a kid, you know, in school, elementary school, there was a game called the Oregon Trail. Mm -hmm. And almost everyone played it growing up in the 90s. And so it's a name that it's a play on that it invokes nostalgia, but it also represents a journey. And so the Oregon Trail is it represents the path that the person goes on from diagnosis to transplantation to the life afterwards that they enjoy. And so nobody knows how long it's going to be, but as long as you stay on the path and in, in the right moving in the right direction, you know, always pointing north, you're eventually going to get to where you need to go. Isn't that such a solid quote? Aren't you going to use it, it forever? Is. It was very seamless how I just plugged that, that in. That was great. It's you should a, be in marketing. It's I'm just trying to do a little bit of recall. Yeah. Um, but it's not exclusive for kidney transplant patients. Um, it's for anybody who's in uh, waiting for a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. And so the, what I want to do is do endurance events, choosing my suffering uh, because people shy away from cardio mm-hmm. quite a bit. You know, if they go to the gym, it's like you say cardio, it's almost like uh, it's a curse word to them, so yeah. to speak. But by choosing to suffer on their behalf for people who involuntarily had to suffer that's what it's that's what it's all about and to be able to alleviate one aspect and one burden that these people are facing that's you know when if you can just reduce one of those things then that's really it can make a world of difference to those people i agree and then also the fact that like the organ it's Mm -hmm. like for anyone who's like a recipient, I thought that was so clever. I was like, perfect. It just, you found like the perfect name that just captures all aspects of what you're trying to do. So well done you. Thank Perhaps you. for you. Um, so that's actually like the perfect transition because like when I was talking about your episode with other people, because I was going through my list and my lineup of different guests, I was saying JT turned his pain into purpose. Mm-hmm. And also that connects with your charity where you want others to turn their cardio pain into purpose of helping others and extending beyond themselves 
So maybe doing something like cardio may not be enjoyable, but you know it has health benefits for yourself. Mm -hmm. But joining you on your mission, they're also getting, it's like two, uh, killing two birds with one stone, helping themselves while helping others. Absolutely. And the whole root of it and the whole purpose of this driven project and charity, it's it's not about me. And the people who join, however, they if they join financially, if they join in person physically, it's not about them either. Yeah. It's about the people that we may never meet and who get to reap the benefits, so to speak, of of the work that we put in because you know, you, you can be selfish in a lot of ways to be beneficial to yourself, but to be able to be selfless is is really what it's all about. Yeah, I agree. And also, I think, I'm sure you've already experienced this up to this point, but it's so amazing how when you find your purpose and what sets your soul on fire, um, it I think usually it has to be something that's adding value to others. It has to be something that is service to others because that's really what gives you like your heart. It makes your heart feel full, right? Yes. When you're giving to others. And then when you're in this place, energetically, you're just you're just on a different level. And frequency-wise, like you're just attracting opportunities and people into your life that are incredible. So I'm so excited for you to see like where you go with this and all the cool people and opportunities that you get from this. And our second encounter when we met at the second Be More, Be More podcast get together, it was a little different than the first one because it was actually one of their podcast episodes live. Mm -hmm. And then they gave the opportunity for like the different people there to ask questions. And I remember thinking, hmm, well, Jeff's my coach. Maybe I should like sit back and let someone else have this opportunity to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. That was just my little inner bitch voice being like, I don't want to talk. <laughs> but the thing is, there's a rule that I, I feel that I've learned a long time ago. And I really believe that this is true. If you have a question, someone else does too. Mm -hmm. And they may not have the words to articulate it. They may not be brave enough to speak it. So you should say it because you never know. Not only are you helping yourself, but you could be helping others. So I asked, what do you do if you have a day job and you're good at it and you love it, but it doesn't set your soul on fire. It doesn't feel like your purpose, right? It's just your job. It's not your life's work. So if that's the case, but you don't know what you enjoy, how do you find what your purpose is, right? All right. And how did you overcome that inner bitch voice and how did you find your purpose then? So how I overcame my bitch voice is I raised my hand and I was like, me, call me. <laughs> and I was so scared and my mouth was so dry and I almost like tripped over the chair. Thank God they complimented my outfit because I would have been a goner if that wasn't my dad. Um, but yeah, I got up there and I was doing some, listen, I heard this other great quote that I love, which is a heart in service can never get nervous. Ooh. Right? So like maybe you might feel butterflies, you might feel fear, but if you know that what you're doing is going to help others, it gives you this additional strength to do something that maybe you wouldn't do if it was only for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if you think about like, they talk about a mother's strength. 
Oh, yeah. The fact that a mother can go above and beyond or she's lifted a car to save like an infant, right? You know, those kinds of stories where like as human beings, we can get this crazy strength when we're helping someone else. We get mm-hmm. brave when maybe we're afraid ourselves because a heart in service never gets nervous. Never. So what happened was I got up there and then it was so serendipitous and it was, I got rewarded life gives to the giver because when I got up there and I stood in front of everyone, I was nervous. Mm -hmm. But when I stood in front of like, and held that mic for the first time ever in front of people, because I had, I'd spoken publicly, but never like a podcast format. It was just like, yeah. Kind of like that movie in a, or that moment in a movie where you can kind of see the energy transferring from the microphone into your hand and up your arm and then yeah. into your voice box. Yeah. One of those circumstances. It was magical. Yeah. It was absolutely magical. I felt this and I was like, what just happened? Oh my gosh. But it still didn't click. I just mm-hmm. knew that that was like a really special moment that I had just experienced. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud of myself and so grateful that I got the opportunity to do that. And it's so funny because it was only like 30 seconds to a minute that I spoke. But it like, for me, was monumental and it unlocked something for me. And then I started thinking more and more and Jeff and Mark both had different answers and they were both phenomenal. Mark said that, you know, not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Sometimes you can find someone whose mission you are like aligned with and then you join their mission and then you grow as a team in a community, which really Mm -hmm. makes sense because he's all about community. So it makes sense. And then Jeff said, it's kind of like uh, Jim Carrey's movie, Yes Man, mm-hmm. where whenever there's a new opportunity, just within reason, <laughs> within reason, I should say within reason, say yes. And I really aligned with that answer as well, because uh, I used to have a lot of social anxiety. I grew up in a very religious community, so the world was a very scary place for me to explore. And I used to be very, very shy and introverted. And so when I turned 20, I made baby steps and I promised myself that anything that scared me, I would do. And the first thing I did was get contact lenses, which sounds silly, but for me, that was a really big deal, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about both of their answers and I was like, God, if I could do anything in the whole wide world and money didn't matter, didn't have to pay for bills, what would I do? I was like, well... I love to chit-chat. Can I do that? Yes. But to your point earlier, you're right. What we're missing, even in our personal relationships, I don't think a lot of people really go past surface level anymore. And in high school, we used to call it a DMC, a deep, meaningful conversation. Oh, I like that. So you can just like, you know, maybe you're feeling your feels and you have that one person who's just like a really good listener or a really good conversationalist and you text them and be like hey i'm in the mood for a dmc you got an hour or two perfect Bingo. done and i was like there's been so many conversations that i've had where i'm like god if only this was recorded because i feel like it could help people <laughs> and so it began my podcast and that's the journey we're on so and you inspired me so if you think about it you know dmc mm-hmm I run. Does that make us run DMC? Oh, no. Is this a pop culture reference that I don't get? What? Why don't I get it? I I know it's tricky, (laughs) but 
I think you'll you'll get it. I don't think so. You give you way too much credit. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Murphy. Just so everyone's aware, I'm the only in life at this point working to go to compromise. You wait, can you like dumb it down for me, please? There's a hip hop group. Oh, no wonder. Okay, continue. And they have a song. It's tricky to rock around to rock around. That's right on time. It's tricky. They did the, they did the walk this way remix with Aerosmith. Oh, okay. Just during the fucking whole thing. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. I would like to formally apologize for <laughs> uh, taking this wonderful, um, very meaningful moment, meaningful moment, and just derailing. I really appreciate you so much for doing this, and I really apologize to my listeners. Um, this is the journey you're on, so I'll see you next time. Uh <laughs> but it's, it's also an opportunity to be culturally enriched and learn something new. And I need so much help. But here's the thing: you'll listen to that song, I know and the you'll song. Yeah, oh, I just oh okay. Up on the reference. Okay. I literally listen. I I can't remember actors' names. Mm -hmm. Your last name is Thomas, right? It is. I'm so see, this is the sign that this is a good friendship. I don't remember most people's last names. I don't know why, but my brain's very weird like that. There's certain things that I just like. I just focus in on, and I remember, and certain things forget about it. <laughs> but it's okay because then you get a chance to be really funny and get all the credit. It was not my intentions, but we're here we are. There you go. And here we go. So this is just something to keep in mind when you have a conversation with me. Um, sometimes when you throw in a zinger, I'll get it. And sometimes we're going to have to derail and you're going to have to really explain it to me. It just adds to the chit chat. Yeah. And that's that's what this whole entire purpose and platform is all about. Keeping you know, it we, real. Keeping it real, uh, being laid back, having some laughs. Uh, but... You know, having the that moment for you where you what was important is that you recognize that moment. A lot of people they wait for a big giant announcement or a giant sign, so to speak, that this is what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of more people, if they're to get more in tune with themselves and to be able to think introspectively. I think those people are able to notice those small signs more because for me, I started this running journey because at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, I wanted to maintain my health. And so I would just do, you know, these random sporadic, just month long challenges of doing something every day consistently, you know, physical challenge. Like, was it run every day? Or jump rope 10 minutes every day or just little different things to shake things up, but to make commitments to myself to do this. And so I'm the same way. It's I need short challenges to inspire me and keep me on track. Right. Because that's what that's what builds momentum is those the small kindling that you have along the way is what gets, you know, the the fire going. And so being able to to do that and have fun with it and share it. And again, to be able to share your gift and to share gifts, I think that's what's the most important thing as well. Because as you said, if you 
if you have a question, odds are somebody else has the same question or has a question. And so by having a conversation, you know, I might say something that resonates with somebody, but doesn't resonate with another person. And so by having all of these uh, new perspective and guests and conversations, I think what you're going to do is you're going to have this culmination of just opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, a very exciting thing to look forward to. And also having a trajectory too, having, you know, not only direction, but forward movement. And you have all these people that you meet in person who, you know, such as who is very talented in the media field. So it's like, that's somebody who can complement what your mission is and right. working together. And like you said, having that community where it's like, you don't have to do everything yourself either. No. And you can't. No. Even if you, and it's just not enjoyable to do that. Mm -mm. But it is so interesting to think about how eight months ago when I met both of you, actually, for those of you who don't know, the man behind the scenes, Murphy, he is going to have his own episode as well. So stay tuned for that. But for now, you might hear his voice every now and then. <laughs> but um, the thing is, when I met both of you eight months ago, you know, afterwards, we all kind of networked, exchanged numbers, exchanged Instagrams. And at the time, I remember like, you, I knew we were going to, I was going to do some graphic design work for you. Murphy showed me some of his videos and he was like, if I could ever help you in any way. And I'm thinking, dude, I don't, at the time I was off Instagram. I had taken a hiatus for a year mm -hmm. and I was like, um, I wish, you know, I could help you. I wish I could be somewhat interesting. But I remember everyone at that meeting was like, oh, what's your Instagram? I'm like, oh, can I just have your number? Cause <laughs> I don't have Instagram right now, which I think worked in my favor because mm -hmm. it got deep. I met less people through that but like it was deeper connections because we were forced to actually like do more but it's so interesting to be here in this room eight months later i had no idea back in january that we would all end up here right now which is so cool i'm so grateful <laughs> and i want to take that little mushy emotional moment to get even more emotional and dive into your story about when were you diagnosed and what, were, what was your health before? Was there any family history? We want all the hot goss. All the spilling the tea? All the tea. Okay. Well, we'll begin. Um, I had a very traditional health history growing up. I mean, the f only time I was in a hospital besides being born was I had a broken arm. So any sort of health condition, any sort of health concern was not even on my radar. Um, and so I went to school at Mizzou uh, my freshman year. And because of my poor study habits and the discovery of uh, Natty Light, I had to come back home uh, because my parents weren't willing to support those kind of behaviors to saying, hey, we're spending a lot of money for you to be here and you're just goofing off. We're not going to tolerate that. And so it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I went back home, re-enrolled in the community college, worked part-time at Ruby Tuesday to pay for school, tried to have a social life. So I was really taking this seriously. And there was one evening when I was doing some of my side work as a server. If you've ever worked in the food industry, it's the only thing separating you from freedom is those tedious filling the salt and pepper shakers, this, that, and the other, uh, scraping up crayons from the floor. Mm. But I was putting away some glasses and 
I started to get lightheaded, a little dizziness, and it lasted for about five minutes. I thought that was pretty weird. Yeah. Where this is, you know, you have to just not even move almost. And so that feeling subsided and I can carry it on, went home and went to the doctor, actually made an appointment to say, hey, this is what I experienced. Really? Let's see if we can figure something out. It was enough of an experience where it wasn't like, oh, you're like, oh, maybe I'm tired or hungry. It like shook you up enough that you're like, no, something, your gut knew, like something was up. Exactly. Okay. And I think the predecessor of that was during Thanksgiving for a couple, this was, this happened towards January, end of January, beginning of February of 2012. And so I had lost my appetite back in near Thanksgiving. I wasn't finishing my food. I just didn't eat. And so little did I know that that was a condition or a uh, symptom of chronic kidney disease. And I had ended up losing 20 pounds in two months by just not eating. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the culmination of that as well as the lightheadedness really was brought to my attention that, Hey, I can't ignore this. And so the doctor looked at me, they said, all right, you look okay. Just from a, from a visual look over, but just for an added layer of surveillance, let's, let's do a blood sample. And so I did that and uh, didn't think anything of it. Next morning, it was my first day of server training at Ruby Tuesday because that's where the medium bucks are. And my alarm was going off. My phone was ringing. I didn't know, didn't recognize the number, so I didn't answer the phone. Uh, then my dad called me and said, hey, you need to call your doctor right now. And so I said, okay. So I called the, the number that I didn't recognize to say, hey, is this John Thomas? I'm like, yep. Verified date of birth? Yep. Uh, we're going to need to have another lab draw because your hemoglobin level, which is a protein that transports oxygen, the red blood cells and oxygen throughout your blood, was below 50% it should be. You shouldn't be able to walk. And I don't know how you are when talking on the phone sometimes, but I'll pace around and I'm walking around. And so if you were being told that, would you really believe you know, what they were telling you if you're doing what they say you shouldn't be doing? Yeah. I mean, I was actually going to ask you how you were feeling while they were telling you this. Like, were you like, hmm, that checks out? Or were you kind of like skeptical? I was skeptical. Okay. Um, again, because I've had no experience in the in the health field. Did you get scared a little bit because of like how serious they were on the phone? No, because I didn't know what to, to expect. But because of the tone, I knew that, hey, this is something to take seriously. Yeah. And so I did the labs again. They did the exact same blood test. The results came back a couple hours later and said, hey, your numbers are almost identical. And the odds of there being this much error twice in a row is astronomical. So I was immediately admitted to the hospital and provided uh, three pints of blood because I was severely anemic. And which, again, it's something that you just don't even think about as a 20 or someone who had just turned 20 years old. And so they did some more tests and did a renal function panel. And it turns out that my, after a biopsy and an ultrasound, they found out that my kidneys were 90% scarred, half the size they should be, and functioning at less than 10%. So you were quite literally were a walking miracle. I should not have been alive. I should be dead. 
Um, but the thing is, your kidneys don't cough. So, you know, if you have an upper respiratory illness, it's easier to seek medical attention because there are those recognizable symptoms. Yeah. Where your kidneys, they just hang out, you know, in your lower back and they function, they help filter your blood, filter out toxins, help regulate your blood pressure, your temperature, all sorts of things. Do they know why that happened? So it was not determined a cause. So the diagnosis was focal segmental glomerulosclerosis or FSGS. And I had no family history of kidney disease. I mean, my maternal grandfather died of renal cancer, but that's not really something that's hereditary, so to speak. And so there was no real cause, but what we think may have been the culprit is having, I had chronic strep throat as a kid. Mm. So when you get strep throat, the virus sits in your kidneys. I did not know that. Yep. And so perhaps just all those years, because whenever I got sick as a kid, it was strep throat. Maybe that could be a cause, uh, but there was no definitive you know, diagnosis. That's just speculation at this point. And so they, uh, in the hospital, they said, you're going to need a transplant, but before that happens, you're going to have to go on dialysis. And again, you know, that's a shock to the system. It's a terrible treatment to go through as well. It is. Uh, so I was prescribed four hours per session, three times a week. So 12 hours a week, I was hooked up to this machine while still trying to excel academically, still trying to work part-time to pay for school still trying to have a social life, still trying to spend time with friends and family. Um, but it gets difficult because I was probably 50 years younger than the patients next yeah. to me. My grandmother was on dialysis and it was really hard because I remember like there were certain days that we shouldn't call her or visit her because her energy levels, she was just so spent afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it's really it's really like reassuring to like see you on the other side. Like now you are healthy. Now you're past that. But at the time, what was that experience like for you? It was the single most isolating experience I've ever had. And you were how old at this point? I was just turned 20. You were a baby. I was a baby. I'm 31 years old now. Uh, but with thanks to social media, I got to see all my friends graduate high school or not high school, graduate college. I was like, wow, your friends were not smart. <laughs> Oops. Um, got to graduate from college, earn their degree, move on with their life, get married, all this other stuff while I was sitting in a chair. And how long were you on dialysis for? Uh, two years, four months, and 13 days, or 1,464 hours. And if you break that down even further, that's the equivalent of 61 entire days. So... Think about having 61, two months of just uninterrupted time where you can focus on whatever you wanted. How far could you get in a project that you're working on? Or how much time would you spend with family? Or would you finish that book that you've been putting off? Or would you travel and see the sites that you've always wanted to see? 61 days, that's... You can do a lot with 61 days. You can do a lot with 61 days. Um, so did you? I have not yet. I will. I think there's there's something in the future. I think that the number 61 is going to be uh, 
pretty significant in uh, maybe an upcoming Oregon Trail uh, feat. But, you know, but also with social media, I was able to share my condition and share my need for a transplant. And so through the power of that, you know, people would see if they would become be eligible to be a donor. And for, I probably had a couple dozen people just try to reach out and try to, to save my life. And for whatever reason, they would, you know, one after another would be turned away by the transplant team. And it's not my business to know why, but it's just, that's how it is because they want to care for the donor's health, overall health and well-being just as much as the recipient. And then I got a text from this girl I went to high school with who I hadn't spoken to in three years who lived and currently still lives in Spokane, Washington saying, Hey, I got your number from Greg. Uh, just seeing if there's a, you know, what information do I need to be a, a donor? Wow. I'm like, okay, well, I was so nonchalant about it because I've had so many people just come and go as trying to be a donor that I thought nothing of it because mm-hmm. you lose energy, you lose momentum, you lose hope, you lose faith. faith. And so I just sent her the information and little did I know that before she even reached out to me, she did the research. She watched a kidney transplant take place. She watched the surgery. She consulted her parents who are both in the medical field. One is a vascular surgeon and one I believe is a a PA. Um, I mean, it's beautiful, but why? What inspired her to do this all of a sudden? It wasn't like you were best friends. It wasn't like she was in town. No. Uh, She said that why not? She just said why not and she thought it was it was a God thing. And because everyone told her not to do it. They said, what if your kid needs one? You know, they were putting hypothetical, valid hypothetical yeah. situations. It's a big thing to go through. And I, I remember I heard once that it's actually a harder recovery and surgery for the, for the donor than the recipient. It is uh, because they're coming from a, a state of health and well-being mm-hmm. compared to someone who is dying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, who is going back to health and well-being. So it's just, uh, a circumstance that you know it's a it's a permanent decision and so one thing led to another she decided to go through with it and while she was doing that i set up a secret gofundme account to help cover her rent her utilities Uh, my uncle who at the time was a chief pilot for southwest airlines was able to get her a ticket to and from for testing and for uh for the surgery Um, in less than 24 hours we raised twenty three hundred dollars. Uh, good people helping good people. Right, and I think it was because hey, if I can't donate in this aspect, I can contribute here. Yeah. And so with a GoFundMe, you know, you just if anyone has ever tried to raise money through through that site or through social media, I mean, you'll you might say, hey, here's five dollars, here's ten dollars, here and there. There were people who donated two hundred and fifty dollars to that, and it was just a testimony to uh, just. You never know when you're going to need somebody in the future. Always treat people well, no matter in all aspects, because you never know when you'll be in a situation. Well, no man is an island. Correct. It's the first one, you Mm -hmm. know, and then also we're not meant to go through this life alone. Mm -mm. I mean, in times of hardship, you're going to want a community. You're going to want your friends and family supporting you. And then in times of joy, 
You also want people around you and supporting you. So there really isn't a time when you don't want people. It's important to take time and space for solitude, Mm -hmm. to recharge, to do what you need to do to fill up your gas tank. But at the same time, you have to find that balance. Exactly. And it's, it's very necessary, but because of her, what, because of her decision, I was able to go back to Mizzou and finish my degree. Um, I was able to go visit my parent, my grandparents and see my grandpa for the last time. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Because, uh, you know, with dialysis, I didn't travel mm-hmm. for two and a half First years yeah. because it was like, if I was going to go visit family, I was going to spend time with family. And so, you know, my grandparents lived in an assisted living facility and he had, you know, dementia and um, Alzheimer's. And so, but I got to see him for the very last time Oh wow! because of the surgery. Um, and so while at school, I, at Mizzou, I worked to pay for my way through school. Um, I was able to become a patient ambassador for a pharmaceutical company of mm-hmm. a medication that I take um, just through happenstance and having that yes man mentality. Um, and from there I was able to put into positions where I could share my experience through other transplant patients, uh, through nurses, through surgeons, uh, having people be their own advocate. Um, I was able to be a, an advocate for legislation for the living donor protection protection act, which would eliminate the barrier for living donors that their insurance premium wouldn't go up just because they're an organ donor. Uh, mm-hmm. They can't lose their job just because they're an organ donor. And I believe in Missouri, you're entitled 30 days of paid leave if you choose to donate either a kidney or a portion of your liver. Wow. And so... So how did you get involved with that? How did you become... Was it What's the right word to say? An advocate or a representative? Mm-hmm. Both. Both. Um, it's because of how much gratitude that I have for my donor and her name is Nikki. So it's not like we're being protected by HIPAA by any means, but because of Nikki's decision, it's like, Hey, now I have this responsibility to make sure she never regrets it. Yeah. And so I have to make the right choices. I have to uh, make sure that this kidney lasts as long as possible. You have an accountability buddy for the rest of your life. For the rest of my life. And so Again, like you said, you know, if you have a question, other people have it. Well, if I've gone through this experience, other people have gone through this experience. 100%. And so I was able to meet other organ transplant recipients who I had never known. I had never met anybody. It took me three years to meet somebody else who had received a transplant. Okay. That's a long time. It is uh, because I was- There's no Facebook group? I'm sure there was. Okay. But I was, you know, after receiving my transplant, I went pretty much- I went back to school and I was back to normal life. Just correct. Catch up on the time that you missed. Yes. So I was focused. And so that experience and that perspective and that desire to give back is just the catalyst uh, that has led me here today uh, because I've been blessed to have over nine years with this transplant And it's by making the right decision every single day, never missing a dose, never missing a doctor's appointment, never missing getting my labs drawn. And most importantly is enjoying life. That's something that no doctor can prescribe, but you just have to experience is just enjoying life. It's like you have this opportunity, go do something with it. And a lot, a lot of people don't have that 
luxury uh, because there are about 20 people or more a day die waiting for a transplant. And it's like all those people are... Such a waste. Exactly. And so, and then there were other you know, policies that I disagreed with that people were being removed from a transplant list because they didn't have a certain medical procedure. Um, and so now I feel like I've, it's taken me almost a decade, but I'm really finding my voice. I'm sharing my experience because at the end of the day, I don't want to be an isolated experience. I want other people to have as much success with their post-transplant as much life as I have. So yeah. if, if I can be replicated, effect. the domino effect, absolutely. Yeah. It starts with you. It starts with me. And so I would love to take a moment to actually like talk about your journey with faith through this as well, mm-hmm. because um, I'm sure this is true of all the faiths, but I can only speak of the Jewish community because that's what I grew up doing and knowing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we as a community will pray for each other a lot. And like, that's nice and lovely, but it could be really challenging at times because as someone who's prayed for others, sometimes like your prayers don't get answered and the person who was sick passes away mm-hmm. and they don't get healed. And sometimes it's just, it's just frustrating. And like, you could feel like, like you're hitting your head against a wall and like, this thing of faith, which is supposed to help you mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes your expectations of what you expect faith to give you can really cause you to have a really distant connection with it. And it's something you have to kind of find the right favor on, but also on the, the opposite side of things, when people are praying for you, Maybe that's all they can do. Maybe they can't donate money. Maybe they can't, you know, give a kidney transplant. But maybe their their prayers for you is like, at that point, like you said, with the you had many people who had tried and failed to give you a transplant in in the past, mm-hmm. and uh, it could feel disheartening when you hear someone say, "Oh, let me pray for you," because you can just be like, "Keep your prayers." That's exactly how. That's exactly how I felt. Uh, I grew up Catholic. And so nowadays it's almost trendy to say like thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Like, okay. uh, That's not going to really do anything. So I did have a moment where uh, my faith was put to the test. Uh, And so I wasn't really a practicing uh, Catholic, you know, when I went back to school and for, for a while. Um, But again, I got, I got numb to the phrase. I'm like, mm-hmm. yep, okay, cool, thanks. That makes uh, you feel good almost, right? I'll, I would always say thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and so there was one specific evening where I went from working at Ruby Tuesday to graduating up to Olive Garden. I know. Damn. Big You've time. Been up in the world. Yeah. Uh, but there was a particular evening where I worked a double shift and I was frustrated and I was angry. And I went home and I talked to my dad because I lived with him at the time because he lived within a four mile radius of school, dialysis, and work. I'm like, Perfect. fantastic. And so we talked for about three hours just about how unhappy I was because it's very 
easy to just put on a brave face. And I didn't want to let people to know how much pain I was in, Mm -hmm. how much I was struggling, how many times I contemplated taking my own life because I thought it was easier than what I was going through. And then I went down to the, the basement into my room and I didn't say any of our fathers or Hail Marys. I just said, Hey God, if you're here, if you're real, prove it. And I went to bed. Such a powerful statement. And I mean, I had call as bluff, but that Saturday evening, my next dialysis session, I had the worst cramping of my entire life. So with dialysis, they take fluid off. So you have a dry weight and you're only really limited to about 32 ounces of fluids a day. So whether it's water, juice, grapes even count as fluids because your body can't expel it. Uh, and you can just build up edema. I had about 11 pounds of fluid that they needed to take off in a four hour span. And my legs began to cramp and cramp and cramp. And so I listened to music while on dialysis to pass the time because it was a terrible internet connection. I couldn't watch Netflix. There's no cable. So I was like, I'm just listening to music and I just burned through so many albums. First world problems. I know it was tough. Um, but I, put my music on pause or I was saying, you know, in this moment of just severe, just crippling cramping of my legs, I just kept saying, God, please help me. God, please help me. God, please help me. And so I put my music on pause. I called the nurse over because I turned it down. I didn't know what song was playing. I was given a saline bag to help restore just the fluid balance to alleviate the pain. Walking around this dialysis center in the pitch black at 10 o'clock at night. And I go back to my chair and the song that was playing was Have Faith in Me by Day to Remember. Mm. Do you know that band? No. Okay. The name. Fantastic. <laughs> and so there's the line oh my of the gosh, song. I just pause. Like Murphy's so done with me right now. Like he's so done with me. <laughs> oh, yes. Yep. Okay. So the, the line. That one. The line in the chorus is <laughs> to never let you go and I never did was just like it hit me in that moment where my faith was exponentially restored and uh, shortly after receiving my transplant i chose to get baptized as an adult and give my life to christ Um, what i love about that is that you were raised with a certain faith but then you chose it for yourself mm -hmm. it became yours not just something that was imposed or indoctrinated onto you correct Mm -hmm. and i as you know my parents, you know, nothing wrong with having some of those morals and foundations that were in place, but to be able to choose for myself and actually experience faith working in God working in my life. Yeah. You can actually say, oh, yes, this is instead of just going through the motions of going to church every Sunday and all the stuff where it's just that's what you're supposed to do. So you got rebaptized as an adult, mm-hmm. and this was before you got your kidney transplant. It was after it was after yes okay because i saw i was able to recognize how god was working in my life because looking back it's like all those people who were denied uh being my donor were just there to make room for nikki mm-hmm. the perfect person for the you left out the fun detail about how you found out that's like the clincher for the story oh. yes yeah, so <laughs> i didn't well, forget i'm a Spoiler alert, I got the kidney. Um, but it was 
a moment. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> hey, you know, I want to be as obvious as possible because I don't want anything to go over your head. Like, like uh, Honestly, fair. So fair. <laughs> but it was uh, June of 2020 or 2014. And I just got a text message from Nikki because all these tests have been going on. And it takes a bit of time to do these because she was you know, in St. Louis, Washington, back forth, this, that, and the other. And she sent me a picture with a sticky note that just said June 24th on it. And I didn't need any other explanation. I didn't need any other context. You just knew. I just knew. What color was the sticky note? It was blue. Do you see, this is the kind of detail that like I care about. It's from those those DMCs that we've had. Yeah. And so, you know, my dad and I cried in, in his kitchen, found out. And so it was just a moment where, hey, this is – the end was in sight. Yeah. Of of this chapter, each, and then that each person, each like challenge that you went through was a stepping stone, mm-hmm. and like thank God the end of the story was what it was. It was you getting a kidney. It was you becoming healthy. It was you having purpose, right, mm-hmm. from this painful experience. And an aha moment that I had recently that I I felt was super powerful, and I would love to share with everyone listening, is that you can pray for something, or if you're not particularly religious, maybe you're manifesting something and you might not see it happen right away. And you're like, well, this is BS. Like I thought that this is supposed to work right away. I thought that I'm supposed to just get everything that I want the minute that I want it. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm opening up, then it should be answered. And if not, then I don't have faith or manifesting doesn't work or whatever. Pick your poison. Right. Mm -hmm. But the thing is when you pray for something or you manifest something, You have to realize that you need to be the vessel that is worthy of receiving what you asked for, which means that you might have to go through a series of challenges and experiences to make you be the person who is worthy of that. Mm -hmm. So the greater your ask, the greater you're going to have to achieve to get to that place. Boom. Isn't that beautiful? It is. And a lot of people don't, you know, it's, they want the instant gratification. That's our generation. Yeah. And so having... I'm a prime example of the benefits of delayed gratification because mm. I don't want to sound uh, egotistic, but I've done a lot of really cool things because of her decision, because of you know the gratitude and to be able to do that and just enjoying life and taking opportunities and taking chances and pushing myself to be the best version of me and you know, the best version of me is nothing without a portion of her. And so that's one of those things that I try to keep in mind. I try to always say, hey, I'm doing these things, but it's because of her decision. Yeah. And it's the power of just one decision that can change somebody's life forever and their trajectory. So true. And to end this podcast I want to end with one more beautiful story because like you said all these amazing experiences that you got to have since that moment right this pivotal moment in your life and there's nothing to end a great story than a love story and you just got engaged this year I did so why don't we talk about that give us talk about all the tea all the gossip we want to know sure okay so sorry sorry girls he's not single (laughs) you were waiting to this point 
Keep listening. It's just a great story. <laughs> well, I moved back to St. Louis after graduating from a zoo. Mm-hmm. I graduated in 2019. Pandemic hit. I came home and there was no social life. I had nothing to do. I was living with my mom at the time. Wasn't really the most uh, sought after bachelor, you know, still living with your mom type of thing. But I was on dating apps primarily just to have a social life, get around and just meet people. You know, of course, having intentions of, hey, if things progressed, great. You know, it was opening to possibilities, conversations, and just getting to know people. And then, so I used Hinge. And if you're not familiar, it's uh, it's a dating site that actually allows for conversation discussion. Like you can have prompts and people can comment on, you know, things that you post instead of just like a swipe right or swipe left. You know, there's a little bit more Maybe. thought, yeah. I would say. Um, depends on how you use it as well. But I had matched with this girl named Beth. And at the time there was a couple other girls who I had gone out with and just, I had nice times with. And so I met Beth and for whatever reason, I just had this voice, almost like a God thing. Again, kind of going back to my faith, you know, I was praying to find someone I could spend the rest of my life with and just praying that I was good enough for that too. And so there was just someone just said, pay attention to her. Mm. And I'm a sucker for someone who is ambitious, has a good head on her shoulders, independent thinker, and just likes coffee as well. And she's beautiful. And she's beautiful. She is beautiful. But I do love that that wasn't like the first thing you said because it's like it's so much more of a meaningful relationship you love her and she's beautiful and it's the cherry on top (laughs) it is and so things started to progress and it was one of those circumstances too where she at the time lived with her parents down in house springs which is in jefferson county which is about 45 minutes to an hour south of here yeah and so the only reason why we were in our the radius was because she was happened to be in saint charles with her mom at this expo women's expo kismet it was. And so I was like, well, if you hadn't had been there mm-hmm. at that time, you would, we wouldn't have been in the same radius or whatever to. It's that high frequency that I was telling you about. That's what you're telling me about. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we took things slow and got to know her a little bit more, a little bit more. And uh, fast forward a couple months, actually a little over a year. Uh, we actually have had conversations about because we're both had met our fair share of people who we don't like Mm -hmm. and we both saw a future a long-term future together so we had been discussing you know marriage in the future and things like that for probably six months at least into our relationship and so it was a matter of how do we work this how do we support each other because she is also in chiropractic school which is very time-consuming, so it was a limited being able to get together. Side note, has she gone to the women's group at Omen? She has. Okay. I've seen her there. Both pop. There was only two that I went she to. She missed the second one. She missed the second one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, I'm I'm a goof because I had met her when she was with you, but then like when I saw her by herself, it didn't click 
who she was <laughs> because I think of you guys as a unit. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I saw her and I feel so stupid looking back. It's like I would have gone over and said hi. And like, but I didn't because I, there's like, it was, it's a big group. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah. Are you going to the next one? I stopped going. Okay. But it's not anything bad about the group. I, I love the intention behind it. Um, but I love deep, meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, like a group of like 30 plus women who are essentially strangers, it was really hard for me to mm-hmm. like connect. And I think I was hoping for something a little smaller and intimate. Sure. But there were things that I've gained from it. And there was actually some girls who I've like become friends with outside of that group. So it definitely served its purpose. I'm not going to say never. Who knows? Maybe I'll go back again. But for mm-hmm. now, I just, I think I, I went through this little time period where I was been very social and it was kind of draining me and I needed to take a step back and just recharge. I've been there. But speaking of Omen. Uh, I'm that, sorry. I totally derailed your story. Continue. <laughs> that's continue. okay. We're back. Okay. Uh, but Omen actually is a, has a very uh, significant uh, Meaning in our relationship for Beth and I, uh, because our first date was at Caldi's in Kirkwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always have coffee and conversation in the morning. Love that. Every time we go out of town, we try to find local support local coffee. Uh, we're a sucker for the bean. Um, but I, you know, through meeting Mark, you know, I wanted to have a special way to begin the rest of my life with Beth. And at first, I wanted to go to a Blues game. But last year, we were not a very talented team. And her favorite player was traded. Mm. So, you know, one of her, during one of her chiropractic breaks between uh, trimesters, I said, hey, we should go to, you know, a Blues game. And I had, I play on a baseball team or baseball league. And one of my teammates works, does like, uh, media and stuff for the Cardinals and blues. And he could have given me access to anywhere in the arena to make this happen. Yeah. So I'm planning, I'm like, all right, do I get jerseys with our names on it? Do I get Louie involved? She says, eh, nah, I don't want to go to a game. I'm like, okay, fine. Little did she know. Little did she, she know. She just ruined her perfect proposal. Exactly. But you had a plan B. I had a plan B. And so I had reached out to Mark. And this is before Omen was up and running before it was open for business. I said, Hey, I would love to be able to propose to Beth before everything gets opened. Uh, how can we set that up? And so he was very accommodating, very, he was eager to be uh part of it. He goes, yeah, man, I'll, we'll do a tour. Um, at the end of it, I'll make you a coffee and you know, we'll, you can do it then. I'm like, okay. So I snuck, uh, I went to target one day and I got, found these mugs that had Mr. And Mrs. And I, you know, at the time I worked out at Project Power with Jeff, you know, I ran into Jeff a couple times there. And so I'm like, hey, man, can you take this up to Omen when you record the next episode? Opposed to Beth. He goes, yeah, dude. And so I strategically planned to propose after she had finished her boards because stress. Stress. Her yeah. mind is fried. She's not thinking about this, that, and the other. I had spent a week in Florida beforehand. That way, she could spend the whole time just studying. Oh wow! And so I got I got back on February eighteenth, and then uh, which was the day that of her her test. I got back later that day, and then uh, she said, "Hey, we should do have take a gummy and relax." And I said, 
to, uh, to, on Sunday. I said, uh, I have another plan. I have a, I said, hey, uh, Mark wants to do, uh, is letting us do a tour of the shop. You want to go check out Omen? And so she said, oh, okay. So I dressed up a little bit and she kind of put on her little sweater and jeans. One of my favorite outfits of hers. And we go through the tour and just seeing it before it's even opened and looking at it now, it's a completely different just experience. Yeah. And so he makes these lattes with oat milk because best lactose intolerant. Um, and so he hands her the mug and it says, Mrs. And mine says, Mr. And she goes, oh, babe, it's like our future. So cute. And I said, yep. And the she had these requirements for the proposal. Oh, okay. Good and for her. One was to ask her dad's permission. Love that. Old school. And which I was going to do anyways. Because you are old school. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said she wants it photographed and to oh. use her full name. Elizabeth Cecilia Ladd. Oh, that's adorable. And so the very first time that I said I love you to her, I was so nervous that I said, I feel so loved by you. You were nervous or like that's just how you chose to express yourself? Both. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, that it was – cute to me how every couple is so nervous to say it for the first time. It's oh like my. they feel it for so much longer than they say it. Mm-hmm. It takes them so long to finally – Well, I've had my fair share of not so good relationships and mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have a good uh, – Example with my parents because they got divorced when I was young. And so saying I love you was a big deal. Yeah. And I actually had never said it to anybody besides my family beforehand, really? even with people who I dated. That's so special. And so whenever I, she got her mug and I grabbed her hands and I said, Elizabeth Cecilia Ladd, I feel so loved by you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? Um. And she said, yes. That's obviously, how could you not? That's a it was beautiful a fi- story. Thank you. It was a 50-50 chance, but, you know, it was one of those things where when you know you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start right now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're in the process of wedding preparations. And When is the big day? Uh, it is March 16th, 2024. And yeah, yeah coming up and it's. The reason why uh, we chose that date is because she graduates in December from from Logan, wants a spring wedding. Uh, every place is – all these venues are being filled up. But March 16th, it's 316. So the verse, John 316, is so God loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And so our relationship has been you know, very centered through Christ and – she brought me back to the church even more and um, just being able to have that kind of love and experience. It's like, that's the perfect day uh, for us. And so I couldn't be more excited. You should and be. That's so, amazing. You know, delayed gratification with prayers as well, because little did I know whenever I was praying, she was praying as well. And so and all your prayers builds. Yes. Give you something better than you could have ever imagined. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! Yeah, and she has a dog. We have a dog. You have a dog. 
We have a Dalton. <laughs> yeah, so it's unit. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot to look forward to, and uh, you know, she's been able to be a champion at my half marathons as well. She's gone to just about every one of them. She ran a half marathon, and it's uh, I'm very very fortunate. And there's a lot to look forward to. Good. Well, tell her to come this Sunday, so that like she can be my running buddy. She works from six a.m. to two. Fine. Tell her to have a great day at work. <laughs> it's um, Planet Fitness. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I will. Um, I love everything about this episode. I'm so glad we had the opportunity to do it again because I feel like we've touched everything that we talked on the first time around, but we went so much deeper. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was a really special one. And I really thank you for opening up and sharing all the different parts of your story with us. And, you know, there's a Hebrew quote, which is really what I based my podcast on, which is, which means one who is wise is one who learns from everyone. And so your story, I think, has so much to teach others. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is at the end of each episode, I want my guests to share a lesson, a quote, something impactful that they would like to share with everyone who's listening. Wow. Okay. Um, The first thing that comes to my mind is a phrase that my dad has ingrained in my brain. And it's true. It's that small things done consistently and in strategic places will have a major impact. So in this whole thing that, you know, of this experience that I've had so far, it's made up of these tiny little moments, fragments, victories, failures, tragedy, triumph and they're all significant but it's building up to this whole story that's not done yet so as long as i keep up that sort of perspective and that sort of attitude then the world is my oyster and all i see are clams that's awesome i love that thank you so much i'm so glad you came and we'll just continue this friendship off camera but who knows maybe We'll do another episode down the line and we're going to put his link again for his charity, the Oregon Trail, so you guys can donate, please. And then also we'll put your Instagram handle so people can follow your journey and you have more people to hold you accountable. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. This conversation has been uh, thoroughly enjoyable. This is a great atmosphere, very laid back. Um, And so I appreciate you considering me to be a guest and I look forward to this getting aired and also hearing about the more people that you get to uh, share their experience with as well. Thanks. All right. Well, you guys can find us everywhere where podcasts are and we'll see you next time. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get it. Let's go.